Welcome to Cardboard Philosophy, the board game podcast where we talk about nothing serious, seriously. Each episode, we randomly pick from a list of niche, deep board game topics and have at it. So we invite you to join us at the table, listen in on our conversations, and let us know what you think. And we're back. Episode 17 of Cardboard Philosophy. We've made it to the milestone and to celebrate the occasion, joining us (laughs) for the first time of hopefully many. Um, My name is Evan. Steve, Robert are here as always, but we have a fourth face on the Discord call. Pete, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here and ready to talk about whatever it is we're talking about today. I always forget that 17 is an important milestone. So it, I'm, glad, I'm glad Pete's here for 17. <laughs> Anybody who's played Food Chain Magnet knows 17 is the number to win. Mm. Is that true? No, I've never played Food All right, who's rolling the die? Roll the die, Evan. Okay, let's do it. 37-sided, and we hit number 20. Uh, How does art affect the way that we approach a game? Um, This is a Steve question. Yeah, I think that the question is pretty... That kind of says it. I mean, obviously, you know, games have artwork. They have, the like, both the cover of the box, like, when you see it, but also specifically, like, the components and the board and all the pieces. There is, like, the art of what color things are painted or the shapes and the tactileness of it, but also just, you know, like, the illustrations and the art themselves. So I think we could kind of dig into any and all of those. Um, but, yeah, I, I very much think that that affects how I experience a game, and it, it adds to the, to the game. I have definitely stayed away from games from artwork alone, not because I'm, like, offended or anything, but just the mm. style um, the vibe. Sometimes I even like the theme, but the style of the art can put me off. That's true. I was even thinking of it as a positive, but it could go the other way. It could put you off of a game too. Yeah, I mean, I'll admit it's the reason I, it took me so long to play Bonanza because that style is not <laughs> my not my favorite. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm glad I got past that, of course. But in that case, yes, the art negatively affected me, and my opinion of the art sadly has not changed since playing the game. Um, yeah. But definitely a factor. I think you kind of hit on two uh, parts of the art conversation that I think are interesting, Steve, and that is the box and the game are often two very distinct pieces of art. I think of a lot of train games um, have these lush, vibrant <laughs> box covers that just like show the you know enthusiasm, the excitement, and the potential of you know this burgeoning expansion into the midwest of like 1830 and then you open the box and it's a lot of beige and a little bit of green just to shake things up which isn't bad like those are games that you want to be very readable but i do think when we're approaching that conversation there's almost this markability or marketability portion of that discussion from the box standpoint because there's definitely been games that i have purchased because of the box and then the actual experience of engaging that art once you open that box. Yeah, I think it's because they serve different purposes. Like the point of the box is to make you buy it or take it off the shelf. That's that's why the box art kind of exists, I think. Maybe you could even consider it an invitation. And then we can talk about whether or not the expectations you get from that invitation, if they match the actual gameplay. But then like the art in the game itself serves a different purpose. It's no longer mm-hmm. trying to sell you on it. You've already bought it. So it's trying to either immerse you, trying to be functional, trying to be readable. 
um, thematic, whatever it might be. I think different games take different approaches. Like those 18xx games could care less about looking thematic, for example. They want to be readable. Um, while some games, like I think most recently Botoku, like arguably looks too thematic or looks too mm-hmm. too green and too lush, and that gets in the way of readability. So I think we have to figure out what the purpose of the art is before we start talking about it or discussing it or rating it um, or giving our opinions on it. I think there are a few ways uh, art can have a purpose in games. The box art is marketing, like we talked about, and giving you a promise, setting up expectations that hopefully the inside of the box reflects um art can serve as sometimes it's almost there just to help you remember things like in dominion i stopped seeing the artwork like i'm you know when i draw a hand of cards i'm not inspecting the artwork of the laboratory card but my brain does recognize that artwork and think laboratory Mm -hmm. and i know what the card does because i played the game Mm -hmm. enough so there Mm -hmm. it's almost like a coded um a coded meaning And then other times the artwork and the graphic design, which of course is also a form of of art, graphic designers are artists, Um, but the line between the two can blur. There are some games like Isle of Sky where the um, icons and the artwork almost blend together. Um, Mm -hmm. Like the sheep on the tiles are significant icons um, and they're also made to look like they're kind of sort of part of the artwork. So... Sometimes the illustration and the graphic design are almost one and the same, which I really enjoy when it's pulled off well, and then can be frustrated by when it's not executed well. Yeah, there can be like little, like even hints and stuff, you know, like there's an icon that is, this is the, you know, the official thing that tells you that it's that type of card or tile, but then sometimes like the art of the tile will also reflect that. Like it might have a sheep icon, but then in the art, there's also a little sheep on it or something. Um, That's a really interesting point about like the kind of blurring between like the graphic design and then the illustration that is a little more decorative, but versus like the graphic design that's maybe a little more functional of like, here's the track, here are the numbers, here are the spaces, you know? And and then, yeah, then you get into accessibility, right? Like how readable, how easy it is to scan, to parse everything. Yeah. I think an interesting way to look at the, um, the purposes of art in a game is to think about the blank white box angle of game design, mm. where you think about, you know, what is what is your game with no theme, no flavor text, no artwork, just blank white pieces. I think there are some games where that uh, that works and other games where that's kind of inconceivable. Mm-hmm. Like, what would the game even be? Mm-hmm. Mysterium, for example, is a game that is about the artwork entirely, which is, I think, probably one of the best uses yeah. of a merge of gameplay and, mm-hmm. um, and art. So, like, a blank white box for that game doesn't even make sense. What would the cards yeah. be? Like, a list of, of different aspects that card may <laughs> yeah, have, you yeah. know? So um, some games, yeah, you could you could take away the art for Catan or Dominion very easily, and the gameplay would not change very much at all. And others, the art is too core to the experience from an immersion standpoint or even a gameplay standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that also brings in a discussion around how much should the art lead the experience? Because I think of some of the games that I've been able to play test in the past, uh, they're usually pretty themeless or the theme is just sort of like, okay, we're just going to throw the theme on there so that we have something to kind of motivate your play. But it is to your point, just literal white boxes, Pete, you almost start to insert more theme onto those white boxes because there's nothing there to lead your hand. And I kind of wonder if that's 
you know, a, a perk to having those more minimalist things like the 18XX because there's a lot more room for you to kind of insert your own imagination onto it. I think it kind of depends on how stylized or I don't know, stylistic the art is. Like sometimes the art's really generic and it's just like we're in the Mediterranean doing trading and like then I think there's maybe some room for you to like laugh about how expensive mm-hmm. that wheat was or something. But other games are really stylized, like Brass, for example, has like a very like stark look. Yeah. And it would be really hard to pretend like something else was happening in Brass. Mm-hmm. But in a trading game, you could pretend other things were happening. I think certain games want to lead you to like live in their world and other games don't. And in those games that don't, it can be fun to insert your own personality or whatever inside joke you and your group um, have around what's happening. Actually, speaking of Brass, a really good example is that there's a, I don't want to call it a sister game to Brass, but maybe a cousin game to Brass via Nebula, which is like a lighter version of Brass um, in some ways. I don't like saying that because it turns people off, but it's a great game. Side note. Um, And it's like about connecting resources to each other, but like via clouds and the art's very kind of childish and cartoony. And it totally could have been a train game, but it isn't. And somehow that makes it feel even more distinct from Brass than Mm -hmm. it otherwise would even though mechanically they're kind of similar. So I think that also goes to show that you can insert different kinds of art styles in the same game and change how that game feels to play, which is like a non-mechanical, non-game designer choice, but it can still lead to the perception of the game design. Via Nebula is a really good example because the art in that game, because it's a little bit more saturated, a little bit more childish, like you said, it feels a lot softer, even though that game is brutal. Like when we yeah. played it, there was yeah. a moment where um, <laughs> I think we were all angry at each other at one point or another. Steve set himself up for a good turn. And then Robert and I were like, oh, cool. We'll just take those resources. And this thing that Steve had done where it's oh like, oh, God. I'm going to be great for my next turn. It's like, great. Now it's going to take me three turns to recover from this. But you wouldn't expect that with these like little cute pieces of wood and stone and everyone's happy in the pictures. We're all sitting around the table just glaring at each other. This reminds me of we brought up Root kind of recently and how that mm. it, you know, mechanically it's very similar to a lot of like military style games but it has that flavor it has that covering that makes it a little more approachable which kind of goes back to the box thing where like you know i know i gravitate towards games that have cool interesting visuals or art because there's certain friends of mine who i feel like oh this will be way easier or like my wife specifically like i know if it looks cool or interesting or has a certain theme you know she'll be more willing to give it a try um, it definitely sets an expectation. That's a case where the um, the more approachable artwork, the the cutesiness of it, really works to the game's advantage. I haven't played Root, but I'm willing to bet it would not be as successful or popular if it had a more traditional historical war game yeah. theme and artwork to it. That would be uh, that would be tough, a I, tough sell. Another little place where I think the art doesn't serve a mechanical purpose but serves like a purpose or helps you enjoy it maybe is like when you have like these detailed illustrations on cards and it's like not your turn it sometimes like it gives you something to look at or just kind of it's like kind of fun to like look into those illustrations and it kind of kills a little downtime um i mean hopefully the game is engaging and you're paying attention to what's going on or things like that but i don't know i just feel like there's these little moments where you can find little stuff on the board or in the cards and it just it just adds a little sprinkling of delight or whatever you want to call it where you're oh look at that look there's a little person Mm -hmm. in there you know like to say that that doesn't in any way affect your perception or experience of the game seems like impossible i don't know i feel like it it maybe is very very minor but it's there 
it's a layer. It's a, so it's something. Is that why Terra forming Mars gets maligned so much? Is because well, I mean, there's probably multiple different ways we could take that conversation, but it's becoming yeah. a more popular trend in that type of game. Like Arc Nova has very similar art to terraforming Mars. Earth is another one that also is just like, here's a stock image of a tree. Have fun. Those are very scientific based games. So I think a strong argument could be made. It's like, oh, you know, it's it's science. It's real life. So here's a real life photo. But it does feel very cheap and very uninspired to experience, you know, terraforming Mars's art for a lot of people at this point i feel like it's almost like a like a campy b movie you know like people almost like the how weird and stock photo <laughs> that one is yeah. in particular wingspan's like the opposite of that it's the same style giant deck of cards game yep but the artwork is it's just it's perfect you know it's it's science it's a yeah. scientific game of course mm -hmm. it's about birding and it's just endlessly fun to pick up you know to take a look at the birds you've collected and um how accurate those images are so yeah. um yeah, I see the campy B movie angle, um, but that definitely that definitely puts me off of terraforming Mars and other games of that type. Yeah, personally. Yeah, and I mean, Wingspan sold really well, so I think that kind of goes to prove it. It does something. <laughs> yeah, because because games are ultimately a creative work, and there's not just one creator. There's not just the the game designer, but there's also the artist. Often on box covers, even it'll show like designer and artist. Yeah. Like you see, you know, tools name everywhere because like that person has an impact on how much fun you have mm -hmm. when you play. They transport you to a world um, and without them, the world's just less fun. There's just not as there's not a human touch. There's not the creativity that that somebody like, you know, tool can, can Ooh, bring to a game. That's a good point that like in the game, you're sort of creating this imaginary Maybe not a world like with like lore and everything necessarily. You know, it might just be a bidding game or something, but you are sort of creating this. Imaginary yeah. state where oh we're all we're all economists bidding on stuff or we're all train managing companies or something you know like you you create this world and so the art can just sort of reinforce that and enhance it and help flesh out those details. And art can also change your perception to a certain mechanic. Like imagine a really mean game with cute yep. art. Somehow it doesn't feel so bad. But if I like played the knife card and murdered <laughs> you, like that would feel way worse than me like throwing a pancake at your yeah. face, right? We can laugh about the pancake in my face. So I think it also just helps inform the mood of the game and the players kind of being in the quote unquote right mood yeah. can yeah. change how fun a game is to play. Like if you play a game too seriously or too casually, um, it can make the game not as fun as if you played it the other way around. And the art kind of has to tell you how should you approach this game? What headspace yeah. are we all supposed to be in to enjoy the mechanism? Yeah, I like that. That's a good point. What about there's definitely some games that have been like republished or like reskinned or rethemed, right? Mm. Um, I could probably off the top. There's some Canizia games that come to mind. Dang, <laughs> um, Zuvatus is a new one. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, so that one they did add a couple like rule tweaks as well, but largely it's the same game, but with a different theme and and art. And I think that does a lot for it for sure. And then there's also like I know he has a couple games like. I don't know, trendy or like there's a couple that come to mind that have just been republished in different languages where it's the exact same game, mm -hmm. exact same mechanics. It's just instead of picking the next trendy fashion trend, you're making soup. <laughs> and like, I, I feel like those might be an interesting example of how that theme can change your approach and how you feel about the game. Like in that particular example, I 
I like the art style of the the soup. I think it's called Zupa. It's like the Polish version. Um, I like the art. I think it's cool, but I think that the like fashion trend fits the mechanics a little better, you know? <laughs> so it's, yeah, it, it's a simple card game, but I don't know. Knizia's modern art. There's hundreds yeah. of versions of that across multiple countries, and every single one of them has different art styles, different looks, different feels to them, but the game plays the same. And there are some people that will flat out not buy certain versions of modern art because they just there's something that does not sit right with them about that yeah. particular type of art. Well, yeah, because even even though it's an imaginary piece of art, like you don't actually own the Mona Lisa. Maybe it's cool to own the Mona Lisa. And yeah. so you want to you want the version that has the Mona Lisa because you can make believe that you just yeah. bought the Mona Lisa. Right. There's a game, Comic Hunters. I think I brought it up in like the first or second episode. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it has like actual Marvel comic book covers printed on like all the cards are different Marvel comic books. And I feel like that game would be fun if it was just generic comics or something else like fake books or something. But the fact that it is real issues and I can actually get Spider-Man number 70, whatever, you know, like it makes that more fun to me. Yeah, I mean, like, the Mona Lisa being in modern art, that's telling you you are someone different here. It, you know, that tells you your role as the player. You're actually, you're a billionaire, and you're buying the Mona Lisa, <laughs> you know? Like, that is a fundamentally mm -hmm. different role than just auctioning on five fictitious artists, or I forget how many artists are in that game. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. interesting. It's, like, not, it's not... A total change in theme but it's a shift in scale and it shifts who you are as the player which is very interesting and then the comic example just grounds the game in the real world of of comics which is an right. interesting distinction I, I think the comment to be careful how you're rooting the player is a good one there pete because um i'm going to use the example of lacerda's the gallerist and kanban ev so both of those are um, fairly heavy Euro games. In Kanban, you're running a, a automotive factory, which we talked about before. In The Gallerist, you are a art dealer running yeah. a art gallery. So you're like buying and selling art. And I find both of those games' presentation to be very cold and very sterile. And um, Robert has said in the past that that's why he does not like Kanban EV is because it's just too white, too cold. I like that about it because to me it's very evocative of what it's trying to convey thematically. But that's one of the biggest things that I bounced off of the gallerist because of was I want to be in this like really lush, warm, arty environment. I want to feel like I'm, you know, progressing the arts and, you know, helping these artists careers. But I think the ethereal intent is to be a little bit more cynical and a little bit more cold toward it. And as a result of that, the actual art of the game is kind of like a third class citizen. It's just pushed off to the side. So I think that kind of disconnect is important to keep in mind is it is an art, like games as a whole are an art form and it's a statement, but is that statement something that is necessarily going to be enjoyable on repeat plays or is it something like The Cost, which is a game about arsenic mining where it's pretty heavy content. You literally are piling up bodies like, stacks of dead meeples God. is that something that you want to engage in multiple times or is this a one and oh man that was a statement and then you're moving on to the next mm -hmm. thing i'm also thinking of uh another canizia one that's been reprinted high society ding because comparing the more recent version here in english the osprey version to say there's a japanese version same game same theme same stuff you're just bidding on cards 
But the Osprey one has really, really beautiful uh, like Art Deco kind of like illuminated illustrations. But the cards that you're bidding on are ultimately just like a fancy person in a fancy dress. And this one is a different fancy person in a different fancy outfit, but they're worth eight points for some reason. You know, like they're all just fancy people. Whereas the Japanese one, the cards are like a mansion, a car, uh, like a, an island resort, you know, or the bad ones are like, oh, you got busted or you wrecked your Lambo into a casino or something, you know, like, like <laughs> love they that. give, they give a little bit more of a story. And it, to your point, Pete, I feel like it's more fun to feel like, oh, I'm bidding on this cool mansion than just, I'm bidding on eight fancy points. You know? This is maybe a side topic, but in the, in the Osprey high society, the names of the cards are also in French. And so it's mm. hilariously fun to just butcher them as you say them, like, oh, <laughs> je perroi le petit. Like, it just makes it feel more fancy. So, like, even okay. just, like, okay. the language, it's, it's almost art, right? Like, the language that all the cards are, it's almost art. And it, it gives you that vibe of being more elegant and fancy French people. Oh, man, yeah, the copy, too. I mean, I know that's not really this, the discussion, but, yeah, like, the names of cards can definitely change, like, how you feel about them. We're trying to look at the art on its own, but it's so hard to talk about a game without talking about the theme or the artwork or talk about the art without talking about the mechanisms mm. like you know i i think i buy games or am interested in games because of the mechanisms but really the theme is extremely important to me and i will absolutely not touch a game because i the theme doesn't work for me you mm, know yeah. it's like um it's, it's just so hard to separate them We're, you know as a designer you don't make the artwork usually you make the game but um it's once the art is a part of it that's integral to the experience and you just can't like coldly separate the two and look at the art on its own you can have the same game with different artwork or even a different theme and each one of those is going to be a unique experience but um yeah i just think art is so fundamental to how you think about certain cards like playing for sale sort of like in high society we don't play for sale without talking about like what you're buying like oh man i got like stuck with the sewer grade come on you know like it's just it's always a part of the conversation mm -hmm. even though that game doesn't present itself as being extremely thematic it's it's there it's it's integral to the experience uh this might get cut out uh or you might not be comfortable so don't answer it be, <laughs> but as a designer since art like to your point is so important to the overall experience does that kind of dictate to you who you're going to present a design to? Like you obviously want to present it to people that you think are going to be trustworthy with the design, but is it, you know, I think they would do well by the art. Is that ever a consideration for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, art is, is just such a, it's so exciting as a designer working with an illustrator and getting those first illustrations, even though I'm not the art director, um, I tell the developer, art director, how I imagine certain things, and then they relay that to the illustrator. And um, oh man, like that that rush you get when you see the first piece of artwork from your game, or like the first sketch <laughs> of the box. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely, yeah. I mean, my games are not extremely thematic. It's you know that's not um, my style, but I do want them to be immersive experiences, and I want the art to align with that. So. I don't know, man. Fit to Print is one of the most thematic games I've played in a while. <laughs> it's my most thematic design. I'm not sure I'll ever make a game more thematic than that, but but thank you. Yeah, and that is one where the the whole time, I mean, my wife being an editor in a newspaper, mm. I had her to, to check the whole time, you know, does this make sense? Is this the right term for this? Does this all uh, align with your experience? So absolutely, that's a huge factor for me and who I approach. Another thought I had is that 
even removed from theme, art matters. Like there are plenty of card games that are essentially themeless um, and the art can totally change how much you enjoy the game or how much you want to play it. There's this mm. slightly bad Canizia game that's called Zero Dang. or Zero Down. I don't want to say slightly bad. It's just not that great. It's fine. It's like a little card game. There's an edition called Catastrophe, but it's spelled Cat Ass Trophy. <laughs> All the cards just have pictures of cats doing silly things like <laughs> knocking over a vase or like licking themselves. And there's almost always a cat butt. Uh, on the arts and like if you're a cat person like me that's like a fun thing it's like cute or it could be totally put off by cat butts <laughs> um, and so it's way more fun for me to play that game with this cats being silly art than it is to play that game with the original which is just like numbers and colors like there's no uh, there's not really any art it's just numbers and colors mm-hmm. and the game is just numbers and colors the cats do not matter at all nothing about them makes any sense it's just there for your viewing pleasure so to speak and so even removed from theme the art can matter mm-hmm. cockroach poker is very similar mm-hmm. I would say, cockroach poker could just be different categories different colors or whatever but instead it has this delightfully hideous artwork it's like i love the art even though it's so like when you pick up that like that toad card or whatever it's just always so funny and they went the extra mile to make every single toad illustration in the game unique Mm -hmm. um it really elevates the experience to a game that is otherwise it's numbers on cards like so many other games out there that makes me think of the the japanese version of botswana or wildlife safari there are um the the meeples are adorable the art is adorable i mean the whole thing like i think the art really makes that version a lot more enjoyable but even so far as like the the different cards each have unique art and like the zero uh-huh. like the all of the zero cards just have the footprints of the animals and then all the one cards you see like a silhouette off in the distance and then the two like as the numbers get bigger the animal gets and so all the fives which is the highest number are just like the face of the animal like right <laughs> up in your face and it's like you don't notice it right away and it obviously doesn't matter or mechanical at all but it's just sort of like it's funny it it makes some sense it does sort of tie to the numbers but not in a like a <laughs> meaningful way but that's also an excellent game to illustrate the like soft childlike art really <laughs> lessens the blow of how yeah. brutal that game can be because you could have this great strategy. You're sitting there you're going to get 25 points and someone just drops a zero and you are literally out of the round. <laughs> And it doesn't feel bad because you get to see little lions hanging out and having a nice time. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about actually like, I don't know what the correct word, but maybe 3D art. Like yeah. it, does like the shape of things count or like even their texture? Does that count as art like plastic versus wooden components or like like in a game where you put houses out? My houses look different than your houses, even mm-hmm. though they're mechanically equivalent, that kind of thing. So I think that definitely falls under the umbrella of the art. But I think that's more the overall experience of the physicality of the game. Yeah. I think there's probably some intentionality there from like the art director and the developer and all that. But I think that's straying a little bit. Maybe I'm just being overly um, boxy in my thinking. I don't know. Yes, I think you could separate them out if you wanted to and have a discussion of purely just the illustrated 2D art versus like the 3D I would say like components or, you know, like the pieces themselves. But like, I mean, even in that example, like Botswana, well, like the colors and the shapes of the meeples tie back to the cards. And so, I mean, it makes it, it makes it make sense. It makes it easy, you know, um, in fit to print, having the desks be 3d and having to keep all your little tiles on the top of the desk. Like you could just have a, a, 
the, the top part of the desk. You don't need to have the legs to lift it up, but it's just so fun to have a little mini desk and to have it standing up and have all the little things sitting on it. And it just looks like a little desk. I can't take credit for that one. That was Sean's idea from flat out. Cause I did have exactly, I had the desk toppers and there was even like the question of, well, what do you do if your tiles fall off yeah. the desk? Cause it says in the rules, they have to stay on the desk. And I would always say, Oh, just, you know, do your best. And then Sean from Flatout suggested, oh, we'll just make them like actual 3D desks. <laughs> and it also adds a dexterity element. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that is such a good idea. I don't know why I didn't think about that. It's more thematic. Yeah, no, the physicality is, uh, I don't know. I think sometimes it's a part of the like the game concept itself. And other times I think the, produce, the production team can really have a big hand in that. Especially, you know, like a game with 3D miniatures. Of course, the miniatures, that's artwork for sure. Miniature sculptures. Um, and mm -hmm. plastic versus wood is a big choice. Um, I mean, when I was pitching Tiny Towns, I had little wooden building meeples that I got from spielmaterial.de, one of my favorite game part sites. Um, and <laughs> one publisher I remember said, like, oh, these wooden buildings are cute, but uh, we could probably do just, you know, illustrated cardboard uh, punch board to save expenses on that. And I was sort of thinking, like, hmm, that makes me a little sad. And then when I pitched it to AEG, they were like, Oh, we love the wooden buildings. We would definitely keep these. And I was like, okay. Um, so that was something I had as a part of the core experience as I was designing, even though the theme changed slightly. So is that the art? It's, uh, I mean, I think so. Components are the components are designed by, by someone. They're a part of the way a game looks and feels. Uh, I'm sure we all think game design is art. So. It's not illustration, mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah, to me, the game, like the whole game is art, right? Like the game designer, I think they're an artist. It is an art. I think the illustrations, like all of the pieces are art that all come together to form a bigger art. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think it all counts. I think this question specifically is talking about like the visual art, maybe. So I would think those things mm. count. Like Ian O'Toole, I know, does like his own wooden meeples sculpting for like the big Euro games. He makes them look really good and like the screen printed piece of it is like right. a, a very purposeful design and so it's like a 3d component but like the art of it is is done with intention from an oh. artist so i, I think i, I think retract it totally my previous statement <laughs> can there be too much art oh. I, I saw a discussion um for the retheme of chinatown which is waterfall mm, park yeah. Um, and there's a lot of debate around that as to whether or not there's too much art on it. Uh, the same thing with the new uh, reprint of Medici, which is coming from Steamforged Games. Yeah. There's Dang. a lot of discussion around, Dang. is there too much color? Is there too much stuff on the board? Yeah, uh, I've seen people complain about the Grail Games version of Medici. Is that a thing? Or is that just people that are used to playing 18xx getting upset that their games don't look as pretty as everybody else's? When clarity is an issue and it's starting to look visually cluttered, Exactly. Then it becomes uh, an accessibility factor um, yep. and can affect gameplay. So in that sense, absolutely. But as far as they're just being like too much art, like they shouldn't have spent this much on art. They didn't need this gigantic piece. Uh, why are these tokens so huge? It's clearly just to show off the artwork. I guess it's possible, but I'm struggling to think of any examples. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I would say it can be too much if it starts to like interfere with your readability of something, either the text or the numbers or just the board state or something. Um, it can, you know, be cluttered. I mean, even even when you have like a a really minimal, like even just a standard deck of cards. I mean, there are 
thousands and millions of different styles and art of cards, right? Like you can get a deck of cards from anywhere. And it's like some of them have really cool elaborate illustrations, either on the face cards or all of them. And, you know, like that can kind of change the feel of it. But like, I guess to your question of too much. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm saying that as long as it's not affecting readability on some level, then go for it. <laughs> but I've also seen cases where like, the art makes you assume that something about the mechanism should be different, but it isn't. I can't think of like an example off the top of my head, but like if you have like a board with a bunch of spaces and some of those spaces are blue because like artistically there's like a river flowing through it, you might be like, oh, how are the blue spaces different? But they're actually not. But you think they are because the art kind of tells you that they are. And so that's not readability. It's more like the art and the mechanism not meshing. They're, they're not like, you know, communicating well to the player what the rule is. So that's in some sense too much art. Like the river didn't need to be there. It just was for art's sake. And that makes it harder to remember rules or play the game. I think that's a good point with the uh, the river robber. Because I've definitely had those experiences where like halfway through a game, someone will go, oh, I didn't even realize that that was a space. And right. they would have moved into that like turns <clears throat> ago. And they've lost some of their board position and their board state because they weren't maybe paying full attention or they just were glancing and they didn't realize yeah. oh that's actually an option for me absolutely yeah i mean just last night i was playing uh castles of tuscany with my wife which i really enjoy as a uh sort of simpler version of castles of burgundy but some of the um livestock tiles it's an example where the illustration is supposed to convey this represents two things or one thing and sometimes it's a little bit hard to tell it's like wait those are two different crops right there's like trees here and then wheat right next to it yeah that's two so it can take us a second. And misreading that could be huge. Yeah. Favorite art in a game? I'll, I'll start. I think my favorite art in a game, I think it's Cockroach Poker. I think that's wow. the most effective illustration. It's, it's not, it didn't have to be there, but it is. It's so gross. Those bugs and critters are so <laughs> delightfully hideous. And like, it still makes me laugh when I like, flip a card because i'm positive it wasn't a a stink bug or whatever and it is and it's just this hideous little bug staring at you it's so funny <laughs> so I, I i didn't realize it until this moment but i think cockroach poker is my favorite artwork in a game I, i'm not picking on you so don't take this the wrong way but i want to play <laughs> psychologist here a little bit why don't you like the art in bonanza then because bonanza is like this gross grubby the beans no, are all terrible but like it brings like <laughs> The game itself brings such weird behaviors out of the players that they have these beans just like going at each other with rakes and stuff. There's a bean called Stink Bean that's like sitting in his own filth. <laughs> it's like it's like yeah, it's it's gross also, but it's like it's un it's very unpleasant to look at. And I think yeah. it's just a certain like '90s style cartoonishness yeah. that, to me personally, I understand why other people like it. To me personally. It's not it's not charming. I feel the same way about the mind, unfortunately. The artwork in the mind is very similar. Mm. And for some reason it just uh puts me off a little bit, although it won't stop me from playing that game. I think I'm gonna do two. Uh the first one is not fully true. Uh it's Spirit Island. And the reason I say it's not fully true is because I do think there are some things that I, I'm not in love with from a, an art direction standpoint, but I think the art on the cards is so evocative and it's so interesting and it just pulls me into the experience every time um it's very thematic it's very cool i wish there was more of that art visible because i feel like it just kind of gets pushed away with text which I, I wish 
didn't happen. But the other one, and I don't know if I will agree with this necessarily next week, but I really like the art in Terra Mystica. Uh, it's huh. not flashy. It's very subdued, but it has this almost comforting 90s vibe to it where it's not the most garish production, but it is thematic enough that you kind of get transported to this world where there's dudes riding camels turning everything into deserts and you know swamp people and tree people and all this stuff. It, it just has this charm to it that is very infectious almost. I'm still looking, Steve, so you're next. I honestly think a lot of the games I've mentioned already are definitely up there for me, like Comic Hunters, Root, um, Fit to Print. These all, like, the art to me is is excellent. It's perfect. It really elevates the game. So to bring up one that I haven't talked about, Detective City of Angels. And I oh, think hmm. I've even mentioned this game before, yeah. too. Um, but it's it's uh, Dutrait. And the illustrations are great. I think he's an amazing artist. Um, I know not everybody loves his style, but I think he's very realistic, but at the same time, very like character-y and has a lot of character to it. Um, and I think that game in particular, like you just have this giant detailed like map of LA and it looks old and it looks like it's, you know, and the cards and the characters and like you get the little question cards where you get to see the person that you're asking the question of. And like that is a very, very thematic game. And the art, I think really go does a lot of the a lot of the lifting as much as the mechanics but i just think the art is is as much a part of that theme and that feeling of being in this like noir la uh cd detective-y environment i'll also shout out lacuna that's a little two-player game i've been really into from cmyk publishers um it's very fast very it's like an abstract but there's no board it's kind of like area control but without a grid uh, it's really beautiful it's all these like flowery colorful pieces and that's one that um i did get my wife into because of how cool it looked and she loves it i have a comfort pick like evan and then like a non-comfort pick They're, they just look so different i can't decide between them so the comfort pick is boon lake which is clemens franz mm. arguably one of like the oldest most classic you know euro artists and generally, I'm okay on his stuff, but I don't know what happened with Boon Lake, but I love how the cards in Boon Lake look specifically. I just think mm -hmm. all the people on the cards have such personality. And then the more modern one is probably the newest edition of Raw. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how much art it actually has. Like, the board is pretty plain. It's just the tiles have art. I don't know how I am transported to ancient Egypt for such an abstract game, but I am. Um, and I think the art has a lot to do with it. Uh, I really like look at that. I'm like, that's the Nile. Of course, that's the Nile or that's a pharaoh. Just make it just works for me. Um, so I love that. It has a very like Egyptian style, like the hieroglyphic style to it. And it's yeah. really bright colors. Like it really feels like what um, the hieroglyphics probably looked like when they were freshly painted. Yeah. You know, like that's what it feels like. It's, it's a beautiful game. I think there's a lot of art there. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. That was up there for me as well. I feel like I mentioned too many Knizia's. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, sorry. Ding. But that's also a good one for the discussion around the actual production and the art of the production, because you get all these wonderful textures. Even if you don't have the deluxe edition, you still get the cardboard and you get the, um, the metal coin bits in the bag. It's 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 great. Pete, do you have a second runner up one? Because we all picked at least two. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking my second runner up is probably Agricola for the the comfort mm. art. Ooh, Clemens Franz, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the the palette for that game I don't love looking at the board. Um, 
But the fact that every um, minor improvement card and every occupation card has unique artwork is uh, really adds to it. That's something I wish Feast for Odin had. I understand why it didn't, because that game already has so much art in it on each individual tile, but it really helps out Agricola, I think, to feel like you're becoming a carpenter or or adding a certain addition to your home. And then also, each room of the different tiers of houses in Agricola, the illustrations are unique. They didn't need to do that. They could have just had the stone house illustration, the wood, wood house illustration, but yeah. instead... They're unique, and on some of the tables, you're like, look, they're playing Agricola on this table. Like, um, It's just adding these extra pieces of art that didn't have to be there, and they add to the charm and coziness of that extremely brutal game. Cool. Well, Pete, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We really appreciate you taking the time and uh, talking uh, about nothing serious seriously with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. If uh, people want to get more Pete in their life, what they, can they do? Where where are you active? I am... Where am I active? That's a good way to put that question. I'm active on Blue Sky these days, which I've been really enjoying. So I'm at Peter L. McPherson um, dot Blue Sky Social or whatever comes after. <laughs> I also have a website, um, PeterMcPherson.com and an Instagram, which is also at Peter L. McPherson. Awesome. Great. Uh, if you have any comments for the show, you enjoyed it, you want to hear more, or you just have some questions that you want us to throw on ye old list, be sure to hit us up at cardboardphilosophypod at gmail.com. If you enjoy our ramblings and you want to spread the love, uh, be sure to let a friend know. They can subscribe on all the usual places. And uh, I think that sums it up. Until next time, play some games.